Music from the band Enigma. Catch them at a place around southeast Nebraska. I'm Scott Colborn, and you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. It's sure great to be with you, whether you're at the workplace or just kicking around home. I've got my favorite coffee in my cup from the mill. This is called Sulawesi. It used to be called uh, Celebes, and uh, then Celebes Colosi, and now Sulawesi, and it's just fantastic. Jim said, hmm, it's a little strong this morning. Let me try it here. Hold on. Mmm, boy. Fantastic. That's uh, that's 100-mile coffee right there, but with incredible taste. Charlene with the Capital Humane Society starts us off. Um, and then we've got, for our main guest today, we've got Brian Seach, a first-time guest. And our program theme is Bigfoot and Cryptids. Let's go right to Charlene with the Capital Humane Society. We'll see what's going on out there. Hi, Charlene. Good morning. So tell us what's current events at the Capital Humane Society. We are still having cat yoga classes. They are so much fun, very popular. Um, we have the classes at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center, and people of all you know levels can come. And there are cats that are roaming around in the room supervising. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that sounds like fun! Hey, Jim, are you, Jim, are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> hey, you know, I saw a clip of that on the local news, and uh, it, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it really is. They're just so sweet. They're really curious what what kind of moves you're striking, and, and what the heck and, are you know, those crazy people doing? <laughs> now, we're actually talking about felines prowling through the room, right? Mm -hmm. Not just cool cats. <laughs> Yeah. Like sure, like uh, well, the cool Colleen cats here. are doing the yoga while the felines are walking around. <laughs> there you go. Okay, <clears throat> so we've got some felines, some cat yoga going on. What else is going on out there? Um, we always have animals for adoption, and we have so many cats and kittens right now. We hope that if you're in the market for a feline, that you will come out to our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. Um, so many great cats, different ages. Um, if you're looking for a young kitten, we have very young ones, or we have beautiful adult cats. So, again, it's a great time to adopt. If you're a Kansas City Royals fan, uh, there's a, uh, a uh, offer underway that you can purchase tickets with the promo code CAPHUMANE. And uh, there's a donation that results from the Kansas City Royals back to Capital Humane Society. And this is good on select games. More information on the website, capitalhumanesociety.org. And we're looking over there right now at some cats for adoption. Who do you want to start with? We are going to start with Cupcake. <laughs> and Cupcake <laughs> is a beauty. A Siamese, a flame point Siamese. So he has the, oh, excuse me, she has the little orange flame point tips. A uh, very cute picture. She's kind of hiding in her little tent there. A very sweet cat, about two years old. Um, Siamese are very athletic. They can be quite vocal, very affectionate and playful. So she's ready for a great home. I've said it many times, too, that if you have a Siamese cat, you'll actually see them defy gravity. And they'll run mm -hmm. down a hallway. They'll run up on the wall sideways and come back down on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, beautiful cat cupcake. 
She's joined by... Lucky. And Lucky is a very handsome all-white cat, about two years old, surrendered due to owner allergy. Uh, he is um, getting along well with the other cats in his colony, so he might do fine with uh, the cats you have at home if you're looking for an additional feline. Um, again, very striking with his all-white colors and just a lot of fun. Uh, wasn't there an Emerson Lake and Palmer song, Lucky Man? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. You could be the lucky man or a lucky woman, lucky person, to have the luckster. Lucky. You bet. A little bit of luck in your life. The white cats are easy to see in the dark, too. <laughs> okay, great looking cat so far. Cupcake, Lucky, and? Sasha. And she's a domestic long hair, all black except for beautiful white long whiskers. She's 11 years young, a spayed female, just beautiful, loves to purr, loves to nap, will be a very cute sidekick. Oh, she's, uh, she looks a little fuzzy. <laughs> she is a very fluffy girl. Oh, yeah, all that nice, soft fur just mm -hmm. to, to kind of keep your lap warm in winter. She's looking for a great home that could be yours, Sasha, or, hey, two cats are better than one. We've got Cupcake. Lucky and Sasha. You can have a black and white pair there. Yeah. 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 Oreos. Oreos. I, I used to have that. I have a black cat and a white cat. All these cats' pictures are up at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Better yet, go out and take a look at them. Here's Charlene with hours open. We are open at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center today and tomorrow from 11 to 530. Okay, it's time for some dogs for adoption. Who's first? We're going to start with Daisy. She's a very cute dog, a golden retriever lab mix, about nine years old. Uh, she just is a sweetheart, loves to go for walks, loves to explore. Uh, she does need a little bit of training, so she needs a patient family that will work with her. Uh, but, yeah, that face I heard you just say, ah, yeah, it's just <laughs> precious. Yeah. And you can put her in your car and go driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> There you go. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do. I think I like my joke better. <laughs> <laughs> the next dog is? Happy. And Happy is a spade female about four years old. She's a shepherd hound mix. A little bit on the bigger side, so she's 77 pounds, so a larger dog. She's a very nice girl, loves to go for walks, is very good on her leash. Um, she is looking for a home without children, um, so she would like a nice, calm, quiet household with people who adore her, so she can just relax and impress you. Look at that face. Don't you <laughs> want to take her home with you? That's a Rolling Stones song, Happy. And uh, she could just make your day today. You bet. Two great dogs, Daisy, Happy, and then there's... Bud. <laughs> And Bud is a one-year-old, <laughs> neutered male, blue healer. Very, very intelligent. Full oh, of energy. <laughs> so he needs somebody who understands his breed. That, again, he's super smart. Um, he'll need somebody who can provide daily uh, activities, training to keep him stimulated and happy. And he will be your loyalist companion. That's some interesting coloring on the face. It almost looks like he has a pirate patch over his right eye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Quite a striking look. 
Cattle dogs can be a very energetic breed, so if you want a dog for walking or jogging, this would be a great dog. The yes. Budster. Daisy. And also, yeah, they're, they're great with agility, so if you're interested in having an agility companion, he would be just awesome. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jim, that's what you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Down there in that, that basement dungeon electronics <laughs> warehouse you've got. <laughs> Daisy, Happy, and Bud. Hours open today and tomorrow, Charlene. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30. Okay, are you working today or do you have the rest of the day off? I am working, so there's plenty to do, and uh, we're looking forward to having lots of visitors and hopefully lots of adoptions. Oh, boy, and lots of fun. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. Have a great day. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society, make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. Jim, I'm going to go ahead and try to get a website queued up here. Okay. Why don't you do that? And uh, in the meantime, what should we talk about? Uh, how about a weather forecast for today? It's been uh, unseasonably warm the past few days with a little bit of a break here yesterday, I think. But uh, they're saying that we're almost done with the hot weather, thankfully. And uh, currently 76 degrees Fahrenheit in Lincoln with some haze, and I understand that a lot of that is coming from the wildfires in California, so uh, our thoughts go out to all those people out in California. And uh, high of 90 and sunny today, and uh, pretty much the same for tomorrow with uh, with some uh, patchy fog and haze. And so uh, it's, it's summer, folks. And Colleen is here in the studio with us. Colleen, how's your week been? been pretty good i mean you know checking every day on our um the community garden that i work with and so far some stuff's growing <laughs> <laughs> so what have you got growing in your garden well right right now what's growing in is like all the um the stuff like uh tomatoes cucumbers like broccoli um the, the leafy green kind of stuff is coming in um I'm not sure what the people in charge are going to do if they're going to be picking that soon because mm-hmm. it does grow in pretty quickly. And if it's not picked, then it gets eaten by other things. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> sure. we, do, we do have, like, uh, peppers that are growing in, like, bell peppers. Um, I think we do have cucumbers. we got, like, two types of cucumbers. One, like, the garden variety, and the other one's more, like, the bigger stuff for slicing. Mm-hmm. The other ones like for pickling kind of thing. Uh, we'd, and then like, and we have two types of tomatoes. Both are purple. So we purple. have um, the small purple, and like they, I think they're called indigo rose cherry tomatoes. So they probably get about this big, and they look like they're purple. You sure those aren't grapes? No, they're, they're, they're not they're grapes. De- they're tomatoes. Okay. They're tomatoes. I'm and glad we have a, a table between... Colleen and I, because she's waving a fork around in the air. <laughs> it's a plastic it's fork. A plastic you better fork. watch that left hand we're, hers, Jim. We're pretty safe, I think. Are you trying to grab something of hers and she's going to go in defense mode? Oh, no. <laughs> Although she has an empty coffee cup here, I, yeah. just, I just noticed, so I need to take care of that. Uh, and then the other, the other type of uh, purple tomato we have, I think it's called like a Cherokee purple or something like that, but it's supposed to be like a big beefsteak kind of tomato so that those are still growing and the cherry tomatoes you can probably start picking pretty soon but the bigger ones 
need a little bit more time. We also have squash, but the squash is, there's like, I don't see any sign of little bitty ones yet, so they're still growing in as well. Unfortunately, our corn seemed to have failed this year, which is quite sad, but we'll try again next year. My friend Don Fossbender gave me a sack with 18 tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I am eating two a day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, boy, the cucumbers have been so good this year. I am a cucumber-holic. I just, I would sign up for that program. I, I eat about uh, probably a half a cucumber every day. Mm-hmm. And I just, produce is just so wonderful this year. Yeah. I, I don't have a garden, but luckily I've got people that have gigantic plots that say in a frantic way, can you can you use some? Oh, yeah. We, we've got a community garden out at work uh, on uh, part of the back lot that used to be the antenna test range sure. out there. And people are always bringing in piles and piles of produce and leaving it in the break room for whoever to, to take home. Yeah. And that's, that's always the good thing that I like about, especially Nebraska, is Nebraska has all these, I guess you could say, small-time part mini-farmer people <laughs> in cities. They're not afraid to grow food you know they're not afraid to share it and i think that that kind of well, stuff that that kind of stuff needs to be taken all over the country yeah, and basically the, and the city the city we live in doesn't get upset if you do that too i mean mm-hmm. there's there's some pieces it sound, sounds crazy but there are some places that do not allow you to grow things to eat in your own yard at home and then i just don't get that yeah, there, I, don't, I don't get that either. <laughs> there was an old uh, uh, radio skit that Garrison Keyword did about these bachelor Norwegian farmers that would grow these incredibly big garden plots and then, under the cover of darkness, furtively dash across the street to a neighbor and put on their front porch a sack of produce and then sneak <laughs> back home. And then pretty soon later down the block, you'd see another figure furtively skirting across the street mm-hmm. and so sometimes these sacks would like bounce like pinball things up and down the street from <laughs> house to house but yeah we are so fortunate to live in the breadbasket of the country uh it's jim shorney and colleen scott colborn with exploring unexplained phenomena and uh paula harris would normally be here uh, but she's uh in joshua right now which uh has got very limited phone connections and so she said, carry on, and we will. Uh, she's hosting the Starworks USA UFO Symposium this November. It's November 2nd through the 4th at the Aquarius uh, Casino and Resort in Laughlin, Nevada. I will be there again. It's a conference that I wouldn't miss for anything. And what is so good about this is that <coughs> Paula brings in speakers from all over the world um, that are both young, old, that are fresh. You won't hear the same old speakers. That's been my beef for a long time. At some of the major UFO conferences, you hear the same group of people that seem to travel around the country in like an RV. And they show up at all the conferences. Um, These are, are new people, and they're international. And there's also a great balance between uh, men and women. Uh, again, so many conferences will have all men and a token woman or two. Uh, so this is a little bit different. And the added benefit for me is that once you go beyond the nuts and bolts, you start asking some of the big questions. 
And this is a conference that attempts to present information about that. It's about consciousness, about the who, what, when, where, and why, and it's beyond the nuts and bolts. Emery Smith, um, he worked inside secret biological facilities deep under the New Mexico desert at Kirtland Air Force Base, where he was tasked with, quote-unquote, dissecting tissue samples taken from extraterrestrial bodies. Hmm. So he's going to be an interesting addition. Grant Cameron, I just listened to um, a uh, commentary that Grant did on a recent lecture by Hal Putoff and some of the things that they've talked about, some of the secret uh, investigations going on by the Russians, and I think Grant fairly makes the case, uh, makes it successfully, that if the Russians had these secret programs uh, both dealing with captured, uh, crashed UFOs, trying to figure out the technology, uh, if it's now coming to light that the Russians were after this stuff, then it stands to reason that we were too. So even though Project Blue Book closed in 1969 <coughs> with the official statement that uh, the UFOs posed no threat to national security, the UFO mystery continues, and this is a great place to go. My friend Gwen Farrell, she's going to lead several experiencer sessions for people that have actually had close encounters. Uh, Ricardo Gonzalez from Peru, uh, he stood face-to-face in front of human-like ETs, and he'll talk about his experiences. Jim Greywolf Petrucci and the daughter of Tyrone Power, the movie actor, Taryn Power Green Deer, will be talking about her research. Jan Harzen, the executive director of the Mutual UFO Network. Um, Birgit Noss from Australia. My friend Ruben Langdon, who co-produced the Citizens' Hearings on Disclosure, Steve Mira from Phenomena Magazine, Clifford Mahudi, is a Zuni Pueblo Indian elder. This is just kind of a snapshot, folks. There's more information at StarWorksUSA.com. Jaime Masson from Mexico, he does a show that's much like 60 Minutes in Mexico. The Navajo Rangers, Jonathan Dover and Stanley Milford, Karen Gresham Nickel, Lori Serafin, Daniel Sheehan. He's the gentleman that as an attorney represents the uh, folks that are very, very passionate about water rights and stopping the pipeline. Um, he's been active in the UFO field for many years. Serena Wright Taylor so more information at StarWorksUSA.com. And if you look me up there, I promise to buy you a cup of coffee. Is that a deal or what? <laughs> Hope to see you in Laughlin, Nevada, November 2nd through the 4th, our friend Paula Harris, who normally is with us every second Saturday, is the brains behind this. And Paula, we appreciate you very much. Incidentally, Jim and Colleen, We've got her scheduled to come back for a full-length main guest se a segment on Saturday, April 29th. Excuse me. Let me take those words back. Saturday, September 29th. I said April. That sounds bad. You did say <laughs> April. No, it's September. April. It's so easy to confuse the two. 
It's September. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next week we've got Rosemary Ellen Guiley and Kevin Paul. Uh, Kevin's never been on the program before. Rosemary, we're always lucky to have her. They've co-authored the book Haunted Hills and Hollows. What lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania. Ooh. On the 25th of August, Les Jensen, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. Boy, that's food for thought. September 1st, Colleen and Jim, you've got the day off. I will be down here spinning records and playing CDs on the annual Labor Day Saturday Blues Blowout. Um, I don't especially like that term, but it's an annual blues celebration from Friday through Monday night where we play 24 hours of nothing but the blues. So, so I'll be down be, here. Uh, you'll be exploring the blues. That's right. Uh, and then September 8th, we've got our, our regular show. It's the KZUM Fall Fundraiser. And our special guest is Andrea Perron. Uh. House of Darkness, House of Light. Uh, Going to be a great program. First time guest, September 15th, Calvin Parker. It was Parker and Hickson in Mississippi back in the 1960s that had a close encounter. And Pascagoula, the closest encounter of my story, mm. is his book. So he'll be on the show talking about his personal experience. Uh, September 22nd, Lynn Robinson, Loving to the End and On, A Guide to the Impossibly Possible. Paula Harris on the 29th, and then on the 13th, Prema Lee Guerreri. And she's written a book called Your Sacred Wealth Code. Unlock your soul blueprint for purpose and prosperity. So we've got a great, great fall lineup here. We sure appreciate your support. Uh, we've been at this for 33 years. This October will be 34 years. And we're the longest paranormal broadcast in the world. The longest continuous running program. Gosh, 34 years, 33 years ago, I actually had hair, <laughs> and it was, it was brown, mm -hmm. but I wasn't as, as wise. Did you ever think it would go on this long? No, I didn't. No. That's, that's a remarkable achievement, and I'm, I'm happy and proud to be a small part of it. Yeah, Jim and Co uh, uh, Colleen, you guys are so much uh, responsible or the continuation of the program. Uh, That's a lot of fun. I, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you being down here. And it's the best job I've ever had that I don't get paid for. Our, our listeners also talk about how they appreciate hearing your voices and your commentary. Oh, that's nice. So Thanks, folks. Yep. <laughs> we're, uh, we're having a lot of fun. We're drinking premium, high-grade, high-octane oh, yeah. coffee. Good and strong today. What do you think about this, Colleen? This is called Sulawesi. Sure, flavorful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is. Because there's a lot of coffee out there that it's very bland. It's just basically hot and bland. Yeah, yep. yeah hot and kind of a uh, lowest common denominator thing to, to appeal to the, the widest mass of people, I think. Yeah. They just kind of dumb it down, yeah. for lack of a better phrase. Because I, I know if I want good flavor and coffee, I have to go to places yeah. like... Um, what are they like? Like Open Harvest, for instance, mm -hmm. kind of place. They always have like the 
I guess you could say the off major brand kind well, of stuff. Yeah, I'm, and I found a Sumatran whole, ble- whole bean blend mm-hmm. at uh, a local grocery store that that I like. Mm-hmm. And uh, has a little bit more flavor and, and body than your average off the shelf. And that's what I drink on weekends at home. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I have the cheap stuff, too, to take <laughs> to work every day in my thermos. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, because it's better than the stuff out of the machine at work. So yeah, I, I treat myself on weekends to the good stuff. And folks, uh, let's take a break here and allow you to refresh what's in your cup, as I will do mine also. And uh, we'll do the bottom-of-the-hour break. We'll come back with our main guest, first-time guest, Brian Seach. We're talking about Bigfoot and cryptids, and we're not talking about the offensive line at Nebraska. Uh-huh. <laughs> so stay tuned. We've got some great stuff for you right after this. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Recycling Council, helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill, reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 406 2384. And the 2018 Nebraska Folk and Roots Festival, August 24th and 25th at River West Park in Elkhorn, Nebraska. With special guests Peter Case, Becca Mancari, Evan Bartles and the Stony Lonesomes, the Wildwoods, and many others. Plus camping, tubing, and family fun. Tickets for this party on the river at NebraskaFolkandRoots.com. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Celebrate 40 years of KZUM keeping the blues alive at our third annual Blues Blowout Benefit Concert on Friday, August 31st, featuring Indigenous, Hill Slim Blues Band, and Emily Bass Blues from 5 p.m. until late. Tickets online and at the Z-Bar. Find out more at kzum.org. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping big brothers, big sisters help a child. Start something today at bigbrothersbigsisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. 
I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. from Enigma. They're the official music on the program. And that's from the brand new CD, Moon. Our next guest is making his first appearance. Brian Seach is from Pennsylvania and he co-founded in 1986 the Center for Unexplained Events. Now Jim and Colleen, if you take the anacronym the Center for Unexplained Events, you've got Q, which I thought was pretty cool. So this continues to investigate reports of Bigfoot and unknown or unexplained animals and mammals, as well as ghosts, UFOs, and other strange phenomena. It originally started with Mr. Seach and his wife and another individual. It's now grown to uh, 18 people. And in that area of Pennsylvania and in a few states immediately surrounding them, that's kind of their focus. <clears throat> so I've asked Mr. Seach on the program to primarily talk about Bigfoot and cryptids, but as is the case always, this conversation can go any place that it wants to, and that's one of the, uh, the neat things about our conversation. So. Please join me in welcoming Brian Seach to the broadcast. Hi, Brian. Let's try that again. Hi, Happy Brian. Happy to be on the show. Yes. Yeah, I, can you hear me? I sure can. I had the wrong button pushed. <laughs> so after I said good morning and hi, there was dead air, and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> because because yeah. we know the Happy producers didn't show. mess up. <laughs> So, Brian, uh, what part of Pennsylvania do you make your home in? 
Okay, we live in a, uh, a place that's called uh, uh, Hopewell, which is in uh, Beaver County. Mm-hmm. We're about uh, 20 minutes uh, from the Pittsburgh airport. Mm-hmm. And I like the name of that town, Hopewell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, the actual town is uh, uh, Aliquippa, but uh, we live up in Hopewell, which is uh, just adjacent to it. Uh, Aliquippa is mm-hmm. our mailing address. <laughs> mm-hmm. And may I ask, just approximately, Brian, your age? Yeah, I'm, I'm 53. Did what started this for you? Did you have uh, a personal experience when you were a little boy? No, I was just a, you know, I grew up in the uh, 70s, so uh, I was brought up with uh, uh, shows like In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy and mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, documentaries that were going on at the time. Um, it, there were ones called Mysterious Monsters, of course, Legend of Boggy Creek, and that's what kind of stoked my interest that, and I was a uh, uh, horror and sci-fi fan even back then, still am, and um, I would buy UFO magazines and things like that, so I've always been interested in the... Uh, all of the unknown since, uh, geez, probably since I've been about five or six. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's kind of what uh, spurred my interest. I wish I did have a sighting. That's one of the reasons, or, or of a creature, one of the reasons I formed our new group, uh, CCS, which is the Center for Cryptozoological Studies. Uh, we're trying to hopefully uh, have an encounter with one of these creatures. That's uh, that's kind of like our main focus is to actually see one of these things. We uh, have had two... Uh Nebraska Bigfoot conferences, uh, they take place in Hastings, Nebraska, which is about uh, 100 miles away from Lincoln every February. And maybe Mm -hmm. you can make it back for one of those. They've just got an outstanding lineup of speakers every year. I know that in 86 you formed the Center for uh, Unexplained Events. Uh, What was the reason behind forming that center? Well, uh, basically, it, it's kind of a funny story. I, I worked at a, a, a Kmart back then, and um, I met a gentleman who, uh, his name was Dave, and who, who claimed, we somehow we started talking about uh, UFOs, and he claimed he had a sighting uh, over in a nearby county of, a, of a, basically a UFO that hovered over his vehicle, and they actually stopped the vehicle and ran out and like hid behind it, a big, uh, a big bush. And uh, we just said, hey, you know, we're interested in this. Let's start like a little little research group so there was uh you know four of us that you know started one and we started to uh collect magazines newspaper especially newspaper articles uh, we'd watch all the things on tv tape everything and then it kind of grew from there right now we have a uh, a huge library of uh of news clippings hard to find magazines books we uh we have dubbed it our s files for siege files and uh a lot of people a lot of researchers know about it and they want to you know come and see it and things like that so it's kind of the, the library itself has taken on a uh, a life of its own. Actually, we actually think the library more people know about the library than us. So it's kind, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for people that have had uh, an encounter with the unexplained, how do they uh, know how to track you down? Well, we have two uh, we have two uh, Facebook pages: uh, the Center for Cryptozoological Studies uh, and also the Center for Unexplained Events. Those are both on Facebook. And uh, as far as for the, any cryptid sightings, you could just email us at uh, Center for Crypto Studies uh, at gmail.com. Has your uh, uh, groups, either one of them, uh, made successful inroads, inroads with the, uh, the media in your area so that if they come across a report, they know who to refer people to? 
Well, we we have our local newspaper, the Beaver County Times, and the uh, one gentleman has done a couple articles on us, and he lets us know if anything happens. And uh, good, we have a, a basically a big network of researchers and organizations here in Western Pennsylvania and Eastern Ohio that we work with. So we do try, you know, we try to get as many uh, sightings as you know. We go to these conferences, we speak at libraries, and we give presentations, and. Uh, we try to get a lot of our stuff that way. So mm-hmm. it is hard because there's a lot of groups out there now, whereas before there wasn't as many. And um, the reports kind of go to everybody now, not just one source. So. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, our common friend Stan Gordon from Pennsylvania on the show several times. Um, tell us about who Bigfoot is, Brian. If uh, somebody at one of your talks said, you know, what do you mean, Bigfoot? How would you respond? Well, I would respond here, especially uh, in Pennsylvania and you know, you know, in Ohio and a little bit in West Virginia, which we do our our primary research. It's basically it's a it's a large six to seven foot tall uh, ape like creature covered completely with hair. Uh, it's got long arms that go down to his knees. Uh, uh, it leaves huge tracks, you know, aka Bigfoot. Um, it's a very elusive creature, but it is, it's seen basically in every, uh, uh, every continent on the world. A version of an ape man is seen, uh, in the United States, it's seen in virtually, uh, uh, every state. Uh, there's thousands of sightings of this creature, you know, across, uh, across the United States. And what I try to tell skeptics is if, if, can every single report be a misidentification of, say, a bear or hoaxing or, or, you know, something like that, is every single report not real? What if just one of them was real? Mm-hmm. I, I do believe there's enough. We call it the, actually the Bigfoot phenomena is what we kind of refer to it. We, you know, we research the Bigfoot phenomena. And um, I just think that there's enough, you know, we've talked to enough eyewitnesses out there. And so of, 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 so of all the other groups in PA, there's a lot of other groups in PA and Ohio, and uh, they're doing the same thing. And a little different with our group is we don't, our group isn't mainly a Bigfoot group. Uh, Bigfoot is the main thing that we do because there's more re- reports of that. We also research everything from uh, upright uh, canid creatures they call dogman or werewolf, however you want to say it. Uh, these winged entities we, we like to call gargoyles here in VA. So Thunderbirds, uh, any, anything, Black Panther reports. We research everything. So we're not just a UFO, you know, excuse me. A, uh, a Bigfoot group. So that, that's what I would tell people. Um, a lot of people, we, we believe for every report that's reported, there's another seven or eight out there that people will never talk about. We also talked to some people who just in passing by said, yeah, I have a, you know, I've seen something. And then we go to them and we say, hey, would you like to fill out a sighting report form? And it's a very detailed report form. There's over 50, 50 questions. It was in, invented by uh Dr. Paul Johnson, who just wrote the book uh, "Chasing the Elusive P.A. Bigfoot," um, it goes very detailed into eye shape, uh, you know, height, weight, what you were doing, sounds, everything. It's, it's a very detailed report. So, when when some of those people want to do that, then we further ask them questions. We, if it's a more recent report, we try to get out to the, the exact area and you know try to take measurements and you know take pictures and see what's going on there. So, that's basically. Uh, what we do as an organization. This is our special first-time guest, Brian Seach, 
the co-founder of the Center for Unexplained Events in Pennsylvania. I'm Scott Colborn, and you're listening to KZUM Radio and Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. What's one of the earliest reports that you're aware of in, in Pennsylvania of a sighting of a Bigfoot-like creature? I believe it was in uh, mid-1836 or 1838 um, in uh, it was called Bridgewater, and it, it was right outside of Philadelphia where uh, uh, several witnesses claimed that they saw it. This was a smaller like creature, but it was completely covered in hair, and it was ape-like. And um, that's one of the earliest ones that we've come up here with in, uh, in Pennsylvania. We have uh, with us in the studio here, Brian, my friend Jim and Colleen. And uh, Colleen and Jim, say hello to Brian. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> How you doing? Just fine, thanks. How about you? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. great. Enjoying enjoy being on the show. Thank you for asking me. Colleen, uh, you mm -hmm. be sure and chime in anytime you want to. Uh, Brian, Colleen is a, a Native American. And so we really value, Jim and I, her input mm -hmm. on some of these subjects because it gives us part of a historical overview that uh, a lot of times we haven't heard. And so uh, ha have you had the chance and good fortune to talk with some Native people that would have been uh, at least indigenous to Pennsylvania for a couple hundred years? I've... I've I've talked to uh, I talked to several of them, and uh, the one I talked to, you know, talked a little bit about Bigfoot, but uh, not that much. It's it's kind of hard to. Uh, we've been to some of the you know Native American gatherings and things like that, and uh, some of them we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it, but not that much. Um, I believe that they know a lot about the creature, uh, its habits. I, I think that they and you know they believe it, that it does it does exist, and. Um, I wish that we knew I knew more more of them so that I can talk more extensively mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian, in, in, in your sense, from all the work that you've done, all the, the witness reports and your investigations, is Bigfoot a physical, real creature, or is Bigfoot a psychical creature? That's the million-dollar question. Um, I guess if you stuck a gun to my head, I mean, right now I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence about it, but I, I still lean more towards it. It is a physical creature out there, like a bear. Uh, there's there's a lot of a lot, a lot of people that think that's all it is. That, you know, it's a, it's an un, undiscovered animal like a bear. But there's other people who think that is it anything from like a quantum animal or an interdimensional animal or uh, uh, you know possibly a uh, an extraterrestrial from outer space, because in Pennsylvania we have a long history, as you know, talking to Stan, because we've known Stan for years also. Mm -hmm. There's a, uh, We've had a lot of UFO and Bigfoot sightings uh, in conjunction with one another, mm -hmm. especially here in Pennsylvania. So is there more to the phenomenon? Boy, I, I, I think there is, but uh, right now I, I would probably lean more towards it. It is a physical flesh and blood animal, but we're, I believe we're missing some kind of piece of the puzzle here. And I just don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, have you uh, had much interaction and or reports from uh, park rangers and uh, 
uh, men and women that are uh, actually out in and servicing the parks and the land? We've talked to many of them. Uh, I've talked to our game commission here, and, you know, I was laughed at <laughs> so about that. Uh, oh. uh, when I was in the PA Bigfoot Society, there was a, a case up in Clearfield for Clearfield where, where one of the rangers did claim that he saw he saw a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. We believe that they're being uh, kind of instructed not to say anything. Uh, I believe that the younger ones may say more than what, you know, a, a ranger that's been there for years. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is hard. And I've talked to other researchers who, who have talked to rangers and claim that they have seen them. But it's, you know, it's kept on the down low. They don't really want to talk about it. They might tell their friends, and that's it, because, you know, they would be fear of losing their jobs. So mm-hmm. um, we're always looking, you know, we're always looking to, to try to talk with them. And I do try to talk to as many of them as I can, and we kind of get the standard answer. No, we've never seen it, or we've heard people have talked about it, but we've never seen it. So um, I'm sure most of the researchers in this field will, will probably tell you about the same thing. Um, have you had reports of Bigfoot uh, actually inside um, homes or buildings? No, most of our, all of ours have pretty much been standard. They've either uh, you know been seen in the woods or they've you know run across the uh, run across the road, which is a very common thing here in Pennsylvania, which you'll hear time and time again. A person will just be driving down a road at night, sometimes even during the day, and you'll see one of these creatures run across the road, but. Uh, we haven't personally inside of homes or buildings, but uh, I know some fellow researchers have had a couple. Uh, they're not they're not that common, but they do happen. So, but, you know, just based on our experience, we haven't had many of them. Mm-hmm. I'm Scott Colborn. You're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, and our special guest is Brian Seach, the co-founder of the Center for Unexplained Events. And we're having a conversation about Bigfoot and cryptids. Uh, Brian, I had a chance to meet uh, Mike Johnson, uh, who's involved with Sasquatch Investigations of the Rockies. I met him last Mm -hmm. February at the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference. And Mm -hmm. uh, he had an interesting interesting way of going about his his research. Um, And I I believe it's correct. uh, he believed, let me rephrase that, from, from his uh, gathering of information, he understood, just like you said minutes ago, that many people were out uh, on the land, in the wild, when they experienced uh, Bigfoot. And so he located several areas in Colorado where there were reports, and he began to go out and physically camp in these locations. So his theory was that he wanted presence with the hope that over time that he could make a closer connection, sightings, etc. And you can guess what happened. That's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told several remarkable stories about um, uh, one in particular was his son who had made a walking stick and was enjoying as they walked the trails during the day hitting small stones like he was golfing. And he was Mm -hmm. enjoying himself and that night for whatever reason his teenage son took that walking stick 
and threw it on the, the bonfire and burned it. The next morning when they woke up, they found on the outside of this great big baker tent, directly over where his son would have been sleeping, a brand new walking stick that had been taken from a tree about 30 yards away and the bark all stripped off. And it was laying, wow, on, laying on top of the tent directly over his son. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I have heard, because uh, we also you know we, we also research all you know the other a lot of the other researchers and a lot of you know a lot of the uh, encounters and uh, things that these creatures claim they do. And I have heard several times uh, that these creatures will, if you you know habituate whatever term you want to use, that they will leave you gifts, and um, they will return. Like you know, if you leave some some people, but most people don't want you to feed them or habituate them or something like that but if they get to know you like if you are if you own a land that a creature's on these creatures seem to, to get to know you they watch you and mm-hmm. if they feel comfortable with you you know occasionally they will leave you little gifts and things like that so uh, that's interesting about the stick i've never heard that that encounter it's very interesting okay b- before our break can i share one more short story with you, you sure Mike talks about being out at one of these camping areas with a friend who had uh, forgotten a, uh, a hat because they spent so much time outside walking. Uh, his son was in danger of getting really sunburned. So uh, Mike loaned him a floppy-brimmed hat that he happened to have as a spare. And mm-hmm. a couple mornings later, they woke up and the hat was gone. And mm-hmm. his friend said, I don't know where... The hat went. I'm sorry. Apparently, I I lost your hat. I'm sorry about that. So about two weeks went by. He was back in the area, and um, there were several campsites nearby. So he drove down the access road to verify that there was nobody at the other campsites, because if you hear something at night, you want to make sure that it's you know just not some other camper. So he mm-hmm. drove down the access road, checked the two other campsites. Nobody there. He's driving back down the access road, and he stops his truck because right in the middle of the, of the path is that missing hat from two weeks ago. Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is. That's, that's uh, a good story. Uh, this is Brian Seach. He's the co-founder of the Center for Unexplained Events in Pennsylvania, and we're talking about Bigfoot and cryptids. Uh, Brian, after the break, let's talk about one of your uh, your reports that you received there at the center on Bigfoot, okay? Okay, sounds good. Uh, you'll find Brian Seach, that's S-E-E-C-H, on Facebook. If you typed in Center for Unexplained Events, that page will also pop up. And Brian, what's the other page now for cryptozoology? Oh, it's uh, Center for Cryptozoological Studies. I know it's a big word, cryptozoological studies. And when we come back, we'll talk about a definition for that, cryptozoological studies. We'll talk about that. Uh, Colleen is here, Jim, and I'm Scott Colborn. It's great to have you folks out there listening. We sure appreciate our relationship with you. Stay tuned. We've got more good coming up right after this.
Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln. Offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. And... From the 2018 Nebraska Folk and Roots Festival, August 24th and 25th at River West Park in Elkhorn, Nebraska. With special guests, Grand Ole Opry stars Rob Ikes and Trey Hensley, Handmade Moments, Jack Hotel, Matt Cox, and many others. Plus camping, tubing, and family fun. Tickets for this party on the river at NebraskaFolkAndRoots.com. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Brian Seach is our special guest. Brian makes his home in Pennsylvania. And we're talking to Brian uh, live from Pennsylvania. Brian, tell us about one of the reports you received about Bigfoot. We just actually received uh, a report. It was actually uh, about three weeks ago. The report itself took place about a month before that. And this just took place in our own county, actually, probably about like 10 miles from our house, where a, uh, an eyewitness was sitting in his vehicle, and uh, he was just observing, you know, just sitting there relaxing in his vehicle, and he felt kind of weird, like something was watching him. So he started his car, and he drove by a tree, and he sees this seven-foot-tall, hair-covered creature with uh, a green glowing eyes staring at him. So, he, you know, he drove on by. He was really scared. He came back the next day, and he claimed he found a three-toed footprint which I saw a picture of it, and you can't really tell too much definition from the picture. But he was really upset. You know, he he came back with his you know, with his parents, and he doesn't want to even go back there anymore. So we we got the report uh, later, obviously, unfortunately. But we did check the area out. We, we measured um, where the creature would have been standing, exact tree. We took pictures, and it was about it was about nine foot. He claimed it was about seven foot. I could see how you could give that clearance to a foot and a half or so because it, it was a slight hill, so it could have been, it looked like it was standing on a hill, so it might have been a little bit shorter. But, um, and then I walked into the woods, it was like on a hill, and I walked into the woods, and it looked like something had walked through there, but we've been getting a lot of rain here, so you couldn't really tell if there was any footprints or anything there. So, mm-hmm. uh, it was interesting. So, again, it was, that was, a, it was about three weeks ago when we got that report. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you mentioned before a break also the the connection, at least in Pennsylvania, and I believe other places too, uh, between uh, UFO activity and Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim and Colleen, it's always been of interest to me some of the reports that you've got from credible researchers where the uh, footprints are tracked into an open clearing and then simply stop. And correctly, you say to yourself, whoever made these prints, where did they go? Mm-hmm. Were they able to lighter than air, leave the area and not make prints, you know, in soil and strata that should have showed them? Were they able to walk backwards? A good tracker can, can see that. Um, were they somehow lifted out of or apported, using a Harry Potter term, how did how did those tracks just stop? Have you heard about those sorts of reports, Brian? Yes, yeah, especially from uh, uh, Paul Johnson. I believe Stan Gordon has had some of those reports also. Um, and you know, a lot of times researchers they'll find just one print, or two prints, and that's it. And you know, they'll follow them every which way, you know, and they can't find any other prints. So uh, you know, most skeptics are you know. Hunters will say, well, the creature just backtracked. It backtracked in its own track. Um, but there's, you know, Paul has a, has a case that uh, it was in a snow-covered field, and the, the footprints went into the middle of the field, and they just disappeared. I mean, it did not look like the creature stepped, you know, stepped back and made bigger prints or anything. So where did it go? I mean, a lot of people talk about could it be like a quantum, a quantum thing where these creatures can just, you know, you don't really, unless somebody sees them, they don't actually uh, kind of exist. It's, it's kind of a a weird thing, but, you know, can they do that? Or are they interdimensional? Can they somehow slip in, in and out of dimensions? And I'm not saying that they, they do or, or they don't. I'm just saying these are some of the theories out there. Mm-hmm. And being we don't know exactly what Bigfoot is, I think this is why a lot of people, they keep an open mind at it. You know, they don't, you don't necessarily have to believe it 100%. But it is always something to keep in the back of your mind. You know, hey, there may be a little bit more to this phenomena than than what we think. So mm-hmm. it happens. It doesn't happen that often, but it happens enough that you have to you do have to look at it and collect the data and and go from there. And in terms, we actually of- call them high strangeness cases in PA, where things like that happen, or there's um, UFO and Bigfoot together. They, they've always been dubbed high strangeness cases. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of that. Of that phrase, collecting the data, that could be what the UFO phenomenon is also doing. If if that intelligence behind the UFO thinks that we're fascinating to study, then you can imagine what they might think about Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. If if indeed Bigfoot is not part of that same UFO experience, uh, mm-hmm. so if if there was a Bigfoot localized activity in an area it would stand to reason that there would also be UFOs showing up because they would they would express lots of interest look at this hairy creature that is so elusive and so intelligent running around uh, in this habitat yeah and they also they also might be you know because we've, we've done our share of UFO research uh, we both my wife and I Terry we were both uh, members of MUFON 
and uh, we've done UFO investigations also. Uh, you know, let's say that we are being visited, which I think we are. Uh, not only are they trying to collect data on us, let's say they want to collect data on our, they're observing our interactions with these creatures, and they want to observe, hey, you know, let's go to Farmer Brown's house and throw a Bigfoot outside there, or, or there's a Bigfoot outside. Let's see what his interactions with this thing are. So uh, it's, it's something that you throw out there. It's like, hey, you know, if they are observing all animals and creatures on Earth, and if it indeed is a creature from the Earth, uh, then maybe they just want to see, you know, what the interaction is between us and these creatures. So There we go. I'm back. I had a slight chair malfunction. It just... <laughs> I lost about a foot of height. <laughs> <laughs> Looked like you were trying to interview the chair there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unexplained phenomena. Brian, uh, the term uh, cryptozoology, can you give us kind of a definition for that? Yeah, sure. It's the, uh, the study of unknown, uh, unknown or hidden animals not recognized by science. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different uh, cryptids and creatures out there, alleged creatures out there that uh, we don't have a, a specimen to study or uh, to categorize it by science. And, you know, Bigfoot it being the, the number one, we always call him the, the rock star of the cryptids because <laughs> he is the most, there's more information on Bigfoot than probably all the other cryptids combined. So, uh, and, but until, unfortunately, you know, one is either brought in, you know, alive or dead, well, it'll, it's always going to be a cryptid. And so that term cryptid refers in kind of a general way to animals or mammals, uh, the pterodactyls you mentioned, the, the big flying birds. Uh, thunderbirds, yeah. Mm -hmm. you've, you've actually had thunderbird reports from Pennsylvania. Yes, we've had a couple. We've had a couple. Uh, uh, trying to think where they are. One was up in uh, uh, Westmoreland County, and another one was up in, uh, I, believe it was, I believe, Crawford County, of these mm -hmm. huge birds that... Uh, some say they, you hate to say it, but they look like a pterodactyl. Uh, others, like a huge black eagle. There's actually two different versions of what they're seeing. Um, the Black Forest region of Pennsylvania has had a lot. That, uh, if you would look at a map, you would see Clinton, Potter County, right towards the New York border, if anyone is looking at a map. Uh, they've had a lot of sightings there. Westmoreland County, Stan Gordon has probably talked about on your show about uh, a lot of Thunderbird sightings that he's received over the years. So uh, it's another creature that's we don't we don't you know we don't have a specimen for it so we don't know what exactly mm -hmm. you know what it is or if it, even if it exists uh, yeah if people encounter ghosts and i believe they do because i speak from personal experience mm -hmm. and if part of that that genre of ghosts is a like a movie clip being played from mm -hmm. the past mm -hmm. then why couldn't it also be that some of the some of the creatures that people see are also like that same movie clip being played from the past yeah yeah that's what some people uh you know what they call claim like a residual haunting it's the same thing over it'll go over and over like a like a tape it'll go over and over like maybe at midnight every night you'll see the ghost of you know of a woman mm -hmm. going down the same path doing the same thing and 
yeah, possibly, you know, with some of these, you know, the birds, the giant birds, uh, maybe some of these sea serpents, uh, you know, some of the lake creatures, could that be? Uh, other people have speculated, well, maybe somehow, unknown to science, maybe these are quick time slips, and that's, a, that's an actual creature that somehow is there for several seconds, and then it, it somehow slips back into time like a temporal anomaly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've, I've, I've told that to people, and I'm like, well, if, if that's so, why aren't people seeing T-Rexes and Triceratopses? And, you know, they only seem to be seeing certain kind of either water cryptids or some flying cryptids. So I, I don't know. <laughs> Boy, I'm sure glad that we're not seeing T-Rexes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Colleen. Well, actually, I, uh, I grew up hearing stories from, like, people like my dad and other uh police officers and that kind of thing from the Pine Ridge area. You know, it's the badlands of South Dakota is where we've been stuck in. And mm-hmm. I've had actually had a lot of, like, you know, they're, they're my relatives, really. You know, um, they're, I actually talk about how they used to encounter things like um, giant scorpions and giant snakes, oh. uh, reptiles that did look like 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 my dad described them like velociraptors, and he goes, but they yeah. but they had feathers, you know, they had like feathered crests and that kind of thing, you yeah. know, like well, well, scientists finally figured out that these creatures actually had, you know, and and he said, and uh, my dad would tell me, you know, this is these are the kind of kinds of things that we would be seeing for since forever, basically, since you know we've been mm-hmm. in the area for these thousands of years. And that's what he said. And would it be just, you know, these flying animals or, you know, these sea serpents that would be actual, like, you know, two, two-legged bipedal reptiles that would look like velociraptors or a little bit bigger? So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the bigger ones would be, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so they've seen, you know, my, you know, my father and a lot of others that I know have seen, you know, dinosaur-like beings besides things like, you know, giant spiders and mm-hmm. um Bigfoot and all these other all these other things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just that, you know, it's it's an isolated area and, and that's what it kind of is, is you know, that whole saying that, that, that modern saying is like what happens on the res stays on the res <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And and it's be, and I wanna explain it's not because um, no one wants to talk to you or anything. It's beca- it's about trust because of what's mm-hmm. happened historically in terms of like um, uh, the colonization that's happened, especially yes. with you know the, with Christianity, Catholicism, and all these ma- these other mm-hmm. religions that have been brought in. So it's so it's kind of like it's more out of caution than true fear because a lot of people. Some people will take these kind of stories and they'll run with it. They'll make hundreds and thousands of dollars and totally forget about the person they interviewed. But also, people will be like, "Well, maybe you need uh, maybe you need more Christianity. <laughs> That'll fix everything." <laughs> yeah, we've had uh, Colleen and Jim. We've had Rich Soul, uh, a Bigfoot mm-hmm. researcher, recently on the program, and he talked about ongoing sightings taking place on uh, reservations. And Colleen mentioned that's one of the difficulties 
in terms of getting that information is that a, a lot of times uh, literally what is experienced on the reservation stays there and you need somebody uh, that has been able to develop a trust with the elders to be able to get that information. Uh, you mentioned dogman earlier. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by dogman? Well, uh, basically, we, we got involved with the uh, uh, the dogman slash werewolf phenomena in uh, 2007. <coughs> and um, we lived at a different place in a different county at the time. And uh, we went to one of these local conferences and somebody said, hey, I saw this little, this little, uh, like, creature so uh, we start researching it into it more it, that creature ended up being we believe a uh, a child who uh who had hypertrichosis which is called werewolf syndrome and uh he was kind of deformed so he kind of you know it kind of looked, looked like a little werewolf boy but he was a, just a boy there was no creature involved but we received sightings up in the shenango valley just in mercer county of a a creature they were calling the shenango valley werewolf basically and the best way to describe it is an upright, upright canid wolf, like about a seven, six and a half to seven foot tall wolf that walked on two feet. Yeah, you know, yep, amber eyes, big teeth. You know, your typical Hollywood werewolf. What it, what it looked like, and uh, we found out that you know there were sightings in Ohio. We researched some sightings in Ohio, here in southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm also a member of the uh, North American Dogman Project, Jody Cook's group. Uh, one, I'm one of the point of contacts for PA. So, yeah, people are, we have, we've had about, I think, 10 or 11 dogman sightings over the years since we've been investigating. We don't get a lot, don't get me wrong, but we do get them occasionally. Uh, people are real, really reluctant to talk about them, uh, whereas Bigfoot now is more commonplace because of shows like Finding Bigfoot. People actually talk more about Bigfoot now. The dogman phenomena is, is starting to get to that point where people are starting to talk about them. What these creatures are, I mean, I just shake my head when I, I don't know. Do I think that they're out there like a physical flesh and blood creature? Probably not. I would have to say those creatures may be more of an interdimensional origin or something, something very special about those creatures. But I know that Ohio has uh, multiple uh, reports of these, you know, dogmen. So does Pennsylvania. It, <laughs> I, I just shake my head. I, I don't know what to make of it. This is Brian Seach. Uh, Brian is the co-founder of the Center for Unexplained Events in Pennsylvania. Um, Brian's last name, Seach, is spelled S-E-E-C-H. And um, if you look up Brian Seach on Facebook, you'll find his page as well as Center for Unexplained Events. Uh, he's a first-time guest and joins us live from uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, tell us some more about what your group investigates and maybe give us a, a, another one of your reports. Yeah, we, we also investigate, you know, not only the, uh, you know, the dogman sightings, like I said, we also uh, research sightings of these creatures, uh, sort of like, a, we call them gargoyles, basically, but they, uh, you know, some people can call them mothman. You know, winged entities would, would probably be a, mm -hmm. uh, a better term. Basically, they're almost like human, humanoid-like creatures with giant wings. Um, we've received a couple reports from uh, Chicora in Butler County 
uh, our friend Dan Hegman up there, he received the, the, the majority of the reports. Um, of basically, I was about a nine-foot-tall grayish creature with a helmeted head that almost looks like a bicycle helmet. Huge, huge wings. People were seeing him on the side of the roads by by uh, stop signs and things like that. And these creatures, the one that we investigated with Dan, uh, he got the report, is this creature walked across the road in three steps. And we measured the road, and the, the road from berm to berm was uh, 33 feet. So you're talking this creature took 11-foot strides, and then it just disappeared up into the forest. Wow. Uh, again, these creatures, they, that one in particular, too, it seemed to stop and like, like it was smelling the air, like it was, boom, it just got there. It didn't know where surrounding, it didn't know where it was. And it just reacted accordingly to get out, you know, to get out of the way of people. Again, another phenomenon where it doesn't make sense. I mean, a lot of these things that we research, I'll be honest with you, they don't make sense. Um, you know, skeptics will say, man, you know, well, you know, what were you people smoking or what, you know, they're making the stories up, but when you talk to these people, you see the looks on their faces, especially with you know with Bigfoot and anything. They're seeing something that that science says it's not supposed to be out there, and you can tell when a person's you know trying to lie to you or, or they've had a traumatic experience. We've had people when you talk to them, they have goosebumps up and down their arm. They they have what we call the look. They have a look, a stunned look on. Even years after some of these, we we received the case. Oh, about seven or eight years ago from the 70s here in Brady's Run Park where the, where the woman, she just, she had goosebumps up and, up, up and down both sides of her arm. She starts grabbing her arm and she said, I haven't talked to anybody about this in over 20 years. And it was still, it still affected her when she saw that her and her friend were riding horseback after a big storm and this, they were going up to her trail, up to the house, and this big Bigfoot creature basically stood up and it put his hands up to its side and it growled like trying to get them out of there so they took off up in the horse you know up on their horses to the house and when they got back the one eyewitness who we talked to said did you see that i can't believe it and the, the other lady said i didn't see nothing and i'm never talking about it again and she never would talk about it mm-hmm. she saw it she was scared so scared she would never to this day she can't get her to talk about it she refuses to accept what happened so if these people are lying to us then they're pretty good actors they should be on tv a tv show <laughs> uh, I believe that people are seeing. I don't know what they're seeing is what I tell people. I don't know what these people are seeing, but I I believe that they believe what they're seeing. If that makes any sense, you know. Mm-hmm. I uh, was a co-facilitator of a, a close encounter support group in Lincoln that uh, started in 1988, and from 1988 for many many years we met monthly, and I had that same sense that. Um, if there was just one report, you could write it off as being hoax, delusion. But when I sat with all these people month after month and heard their personal stories, you had to have an appreciation or a real deep knowing that something very mysterious was going on. Um, mm-hmm. Over over the years, Brian, as you've looked at the unexplained. Uh, how has it affected you? Have you had any epiphanies, any transcendent moments? Uh, how has well, it shaped your life? Well, I, I, well, I think what it has done, it forces you to look at look at things differently. Everything you do differently. Uh, we're, you know, growing up, you're taught 
you're taught, hey, this is how this is, and, you know, there can't be this, you're, you're I don't want to say brainwash, you're taught certain things don't exist. Yeah, you know, Bigfoot, uh, it doesn't exist. My father always told me to, to do your own research. He, he always says, do not listen to anybody else. If you read up, research yourself. Don't let somebody else influence your opinion. And that's what I've always done. I, if, if I think something's out there, I'll research it myself. I mean, even if everybody says, hey, you know, this, this might not be real. Well, what about all the people reporting this? Well, what about them? I mean, don't they have a voice? And, uh, yeah, I, I do. All the, all the things that we've, you know, we've researched, I believe that there's, there's, there's a core to all of them. I don't think that, you know, you could tell when people are lying to you and when something might be a hoax and things like that. It, if you, you know, you do it long enough. But I think it does change. It changes the way you look. You don't necessarily, you know, if somebody says, hey, it could be a hoax. You want to research it yourself. So that's the main thing is I think it, uh, it's, you know, it, it's taught me to look at everything a lot differently now. And it, it really has. I mean, everything. Have you had, Brian, your own personal experience in, in one of these subgenres or fields? Well, we've, we've seen what, what we say are UFOs. And again, that does not mean alien spacecraft uh, on three occasions. Um, we had a, uh, an experience. Uh, I've had several what you can call ghostly entities. Uh, one was down at, uh, I worked at a local uh, a store down here and I went in the back to shut the lights off one night and as I'm going back, it was a narrow corridor, and I see out of the corner, you know, corner of my eye, I see like a like a, a shape, look like a human, and I turned around, there was nobody there. So I talked to my manager a week after, and I says, "Hey, I don't want to say, is you, you ever seen anything weird here?" And then she just blurted out, she says, "Oh, George, the ghost." I says, "What?" She goes, "Oh yeah," and then she pointed back to the area where I saw it. You know, she goes, "We see him back in that back in the back room in that corner." And another, we, I saw it twice, and, you know, going back in that one corner. Um, another time, my wife and I went up to a church in Erie, and um, it was allegedly, you know, haunted church, and we were downstairs with a gentleman that we knew, and uh, the whole church was locked down. It was just us three in there, and you had to walk down the steps, and there was one of those bar- doors with the bars. So we were taking pictures of the foundations right around the corner. I mean, literally, like, like 10 feet around the corner. And we hear, boom, 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 we hear footsteps coming down. And the door starts shaking like somebody's coming through. So we look at we look at our friend, and he says, I'll finish up your picture. And we just took, like, two pictures and walked right around the corner. Nobody was up there. And so we went up to the church. The whole church was locked. Only him and one other person had the key, and they couldn't have got up there and out of there that fast. So they allegedly there's there were books would fly off the shelves and they would see shadow figures up in the uh, up in another part of the church. Now it was just really interesting because we heard someone walking down the steps and and pushing that door as clear as day. There's all three of us. So, but there was nobody there. So those are two of the instances we've had with ghosts. And my wife also saw. Uh, we moved into my aunt's house when we were first married, and she had moved next door to my cousins, and she had passed away. So after she passed away a couple months, my wife got up in the uh, middle of the night and she looked in the hallway and saw uh, half of a apparition of my aunt walking through the hallway in her nightgown. So, yeah, so yeah, we've seen some things that we can't explain as far as with the creatures. We've never actually seen anything. We've heard some strange things in the woods, but we've never actually uh, 
never actually had any encounter with any cryptids. At least, at least that we know. We believe at least maybe on one occasion we we were down at Salt Fork, and it was during one of their uh, conferences, which they have one of the biggest conferences in the in the country at Salt Fork State Park in Ohio. Uh, there was a place called the Handicap Shelter, and some of our members were just sitting there. So we had come, you know, we, my wife and I and our friend Dave Rupert, we drove up and we 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 got out of our cars and we only walked a couple of steps when we all at one time stopped. And we looked at each other and we said, something's not right here. You felt like a, you felt a presence. You felt like a force. There was something there. So we go to, we walk over to the shelter. And as soon as we get to the shelter, we didn't say anything. They said, something's, something's off tonight. It's, it's not right. Because we, we, we had been there, you know, several times before. So we went and got, me and Dave went and got our equipment. We had, uh, I had a parabolic mic. We had night vision. So we walked up and down the road. You really, it, it felt strange. It, it, it felt really different. Like you were not wanted there. It felt like oppressive. And um, so then we go back to where, to where they were sitting and almost like a, uh, you shot a light switch off. It just, the whole atmosphere changed. And it's like, you started to hear night sounds and things and everything was like, okay, it's gone. And it was, I'll tell you what, we had, there was about six witnesses to this and, they could even tell you it was one of the weirdest times that we ever felt anything. Mm-hmm. So was there something there? I mean, again, we didn't see anything. We didn't hear anything or smell anything. But, boy, you sure felt like there was something there. And it was very intense. That's what I'll say. It's very intense. But we've never actually seen anything. I'm sure glad, Brian, that you shared those personal experiences because it's been my observation that, that uh, we have thousands of people listening right now and were we able to sit down in a comfortable atmosphere with each of these people listening and ask these same questions, invariably there are stories that come out from either them directly and or from their family. I think we all carry this history around with us and it's something that we Mm -hmm. typically don't talk about or don't recognize and yet, it's part of our part of our lives. Uh, Brian, stay right there. We'll take our bottom of the hour break, and we'll be we'll be back. Um, maybe uh, have have you ever been to Gettysburg? Uh, a couple times. Maybe we can talk about that too, Jim. Scott, real quick uh, before the break, we had a call from a listener who said that she had never considered the multidimensional aspect of all this and she was very grateful and, and profuse in her thanks that we brought that to light on the program. Oh, interesting. So that's that's great. That's the kind of stuff we like to hear. Thank you, Jim, and thank you to that person that called in with that. Um, we're at 402-474-5086. That number again, if you have any comments for Brian Seach, it's 402-474-5086. We'll be right back after this with more exploring unexplained phenomena. Hey, the voice of the blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from the Bay, the Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern and the Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. On Saturday, August 11th, 90s at Night returns to the Bourbon Theater at 9, and the Basil Trio plays the Zoo Bar at 6, followed at 9 by Jens Lehman and the Time Cops EP Release Show. That's what's happening this week in Lincoln. 
Support for KZUM comes from Rabble Mill, presenting Skate Art Music Anti-Gala on Saturday, April 25th at the Bay, featuring New Jersey rock trio Screaming Females, hip-hop with Ebony Tusks, and 10 Nebraska acts on two indoor and outdoor stages, plus prize-winning skate competition and beer garden. Proceeds support Rabble Mill's mission to end generational poverty one young person at a time. More at rabblemill.org. And from... Maha Music Festival on Friday and Saturday, August 17th and 18th at Omaha's Exarban Village. Now two days featuring Father John Misty, TV on the radio, ZZ Ward, U.S. Girls, and more. Plus a special performance by Omaha Girls Rock. Tickets and more at mahamusicfestival.com. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Next week's guest, Rose Marielan Guiley and Kevin Paul. Haunted Hills and Hollows, What Lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania. Our special guest today is Brian Seach, the co-founder of the Center for Unexplained Events in Pennsylvania. And you mentioned earlier a, uh, a colleague uh, who has a brand new book out. Can you tell us about that? Yes, that's uh, uh, Dr. Paul Johnson. He um, uh, he's, is the uh, second longest uh, researcher in Pennsylvania of, uh, of UFOs and Bigfoot. And, and the book that he just has come, uh, that just came out through uh, Rosemary Ellen Galley, who we know, uh, uh, it's from Visionary uh, Visionary Publishing. Uh, it's called Chasing the Elusive Pennsylvania Bigfoot, uh, Encrypted from Another Reality. And if, uh, you know, some people are interested in, like, say, the quantum theory, uh, you know, he talks about the quantum theory, and he talks about his research. He's been researching uh, UFOs since the 70s and Bigfoot since the late 70s, and he talks a lot about his cases and... Uh, he talks about uh, what the quantum theory is, which basically is uh, your your observation determines reality. Uh, it basically states that the creature has to be observed in order to see it. Okay, and um, he basically, if you read the book, and his his conclusion that he said after forty some years is that the creature is not a flesh and blood animal that continually resides and remains hidden in the woods. And he kind of talks about that. The Bigfoot creature violates the rules of classic physics. Like he, he compares it with a bear. Like he says, a bear can be tracked through the woods, but a Bigfoot can't. And yet he states, like in Pennsylvania, there's over four thousand bears are harvested, but Bigfoot has been shot at multiple times, but it's never, never been killed. And uh, you know, bears have been found dead. Allegedly, no one has found a dead Bigfoot yet. So, um, and also about three hundred bears each year, around around three hundred are killed 
by cars in PA. Mm. But uh, no one has reported any Bigfoot kills. So it is a very interesting book. Anyone interested in uh, the Bigfoot phenomena or uh, another uh, aspect of the Bigfoot phenomena, it's a really great book to have. And you can get that, like I said, from Rosemary Visionary Lit livingpublishing.com. Okay, and the title again, Brian? Uh, it's called Chasing the Elusive Pennsylvania Bigfoot, uh, encrypted from another reality by Paul G. Johnson. Brian, one of the, the great big questions that I enjoyed asking people last February at the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference, I want to also ask to you, based upon all your research, uh, do we need to kill a Bigfoot to prove its, its existence? Uh, kill or no kill? What? Where do you find yourself? Oh, I'm definitely a no kill. I, I don't want these creatures hurt. Actually, if we could somehow prove that they exist without killing them, would be the would be the thing to do. Then we can put laws in and enact laws so that they're protected. No, we are. And I'll, I'll actually speak for most of the groups here in PA and Ohio. We're pretty much all no-kill. Nobody wants these creatures hurt. Uh, if they can be proven to exist, then we can protect them. And that's that's a lot of it, what it's, what it's about. I mean, mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, science, you know, you could, if you could somehow bring in a living specimen and, and, and study it, then that, that would work. Or, as some people said, if, say, one is hit by a car or one is found dead in the woods, that you wouldn't have to kill it, then they can examine it there and prove it. But uh, I think it'd be kind of a shame myself if somebody would have to kill one to prove it existence. That that's, and I do speak for a lot. I, I would have to say most of the researchers out there they don't want these things killed. Mm -hmm. uh, do Bigfoot have a similar structure as do we humans? Are are there family units? Yeah. Well, well most most researchers believe that there are. Uh, we actually received one uh, uh, one report of a, a family unit in Ohio that a gentleman told, I believe, that there was five of them. He, he, he put a, new, a pretty nice drawing on it, too. It was in Jefferson County across the border from PA. Uh, yeah, most most research, researchers do believe that they are in family units, so uh, it would make sense. You, If they are animals like bears, you would have to have a breeding population, so you would mm -hmm. need, you know, you would have to have family units. Uh, I've many, many years ago had Todd Nice on the program, and he was a member yeah, of the yeah. California National Guard and was mm -hmm. on maneuvers um, up in some hills. They had just planted demolition charges and were driving down uh, a, a fire trail, logging trail, very heavily forested, and he drove through a clearing and just happened to look over, and there maybe a hundred yards away were uh, three Bigfoot and immediately it, mm -hmm. to him it looked like it was a mother, a father and a, and a child and mm -hmm. uh, because they were in tight convoy he kept driving and when they got down to the bottom of the hill the guy that was in the truck behind him came up and said what'd you see back there? and Todd mm -hmm. said oh I don't know and the guy said I saw you do that double take and jerk your head so I looked over I saw them too. I saw those Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. So, kill or no kill, sometimes it's the personal experience that convinces one. 
Yes, I mean, I, I could not shoot one. I mean, I I think they have every right to, you know, to live as much as every, any, any any other animal on, on Earth. So, yeah, it would be, it would be a, I think, a sad day if somebody would have to shoot one to prove it. But, uh, you know, if, they, if these indeed are flesh and blood creatures and there's nothing much else to them, I think eventually something, one of those scenarios will happen and we'll have proof. If not, then you have to start thinking of some other alternative what these things may be. That's my opinion only. And meanwhile, we're going to continue exploring all those options here on the program. <laughs> We've sure enjoyed uh, having you as a guest here, Brian. Uh, thank you very much for, for being with us. Is your wife still actively involved, too? Oh, yes, yes, yes. She, uh, I always say she's the uh, heart and soul of the group. Mm-hmm. She, she does all the other th- things behind the scenes, and she's out there with me all the time. So, yeah, she, uh, yeah, she, we, we, I call it, she's my uh, scully to my motor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how can people, again, track you down um, that want to learn more? and or that want to share a personal experience with you how can they find you yeah you know on facebook if you know one of the easiest things is if you would just you know friend me on facebook you know under brian Seach, or go to one of our uh our, our sites our facebook sites uh center for cryptozoological studies or center for unexplained events those would be the two or you can email me with your report uh Center for Crypto Studies at gmail.com. So one way or another, <laughs> you can get in touch with me. And we, we do want to hear your reports, no matter where they are across the United States. And if you're interested, uh, you know, we can we can email you a form and you can fill it out. We really do stress uh, uh, drawings, eyewitness drawings. We, we think you can get so much from a drawing. A lot of people don't want to do drawings, but uh, we would appreciate anyone who would want to give us, you know, their encounter with the drawing, we would really appreciate it for, you know, we never give out names either, so your name will, will never be used. Mm-hmm. And it's so important, isn't it, Brian, to listen really closely to the witness? Yes, yes. I mean, a lot of times it's like therapy to them. And because when nobody believes you on something and they call you crazy and all of a sudden someone's going to say, listen, you know, I've had other people have seen the same thing as you. It makes them feel better. And I know it would make me feel better. I mean, if I knew, hey, you know, I saw this thing all of a sudden. Well, 10 or 15 other people saw it too. So are we all crazy? I don't think so. And I think it does help people. And this is what we, we like to do this to help people out also. Because I know a lot of them, it really emotionally affects them. And they need they need someone like a shoulder to turn on. And, uh, you know, so we, we, you know, we enjoy helping people like that also. Mm-hmm. In, in my years of, of collecting uh, stories, I found it's very, very valuable to also say, you know, have you ever had anything else strange or unusual happen, either before mm-hmm. this incident or since? And yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear your affirmation there, Brian, because I've talked to so many researchers, especially in the UFO field, that don't want to know that that for some reason they just want to know about that daytime or nighttime sighting of the UFO. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that all this other stuff is connected. Yeah, and, and I believe so also somehow that in some strange way that we don't know. I know one of the questions on our forum is that if you had an interest in UFOs or unusual phenomena before you saw this. And 
a lot of people don't put that on there. And, you know, if so, could you please explain? So we, we even trying to, you know, trying to reach out in the other pieces, even on that, even on that uh, cryptid form. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, some people, I know that like a lot of people in the Bigfoot field don't want to even talk about UFOs and vice versa. It's like the two never mix, but, uh, you know, unfortunately they do sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not nothing that we're making up. It's what's being seen occasionally. So you have to, you can't throw the, you can't throw those reports out. Craig Wooleater is a gentleman who's been on the program recently. And uh, Craig talked about how things really solidified for him uh, during Memorial Day. 1994, he was on a rural Louisiana byway late at night, and uh, he happened to look over and see this Bigfoot-like creature ambling along uh, beside the road. So it went from being what if to, my God, I just saw something. Sometimes that personal yeah, yeah, we've experience. Known, we've known Craig for a bunch of years, also, and he's a very he, he's done great, great uh, work down in Texas, and uh, the, the sighting changed him. And uh, uh, you know, he he's done a great job down in Texas. So I, I you know I take his word for what he said. Brian, as as is our kind of uh, way we do things here, I'd like to be able to turn the mic over to you now for a couple of minutes and have you uh, do some closing remarks with my audience. Anything that you'd like to say about uh, uh, your work, about the past, the present, or the future? Well, I guess the one thing I'd like to say, anyone listening, uh, especially on the uh, unknown animal side, the cryptid side, uh, report your sighting. You know, we would like to hear, if, if not, report it to your local group or, or whoever. Uh, they, they use that for database material. They use it uh, to try to mark where a creature may be if there's a bunch of sightings in one area. Uh, talk about it. And the main thing is I want to say talk about it to whoever. Uh, don't hold it in. You, you shouldn't be embarrassed if something like this happened to you. You should, and it's more common than what you think. People all across the country are seeing things that they can't explain that shouldn't be there. So I would definitely say if you take nothing from this program, at least take that, hey, please report your sighting to somebody. Okay, Brian, and again, how can people, especially people listening in that Pennsylvania, Ohio area, how can they reach you? Yeah, probably the best would be on our, our Facebook page uh, for Center for Cryptozoological Studies or Center for Unexplained Events would be the two. If you do message us or uh, ask for a friend request, you know, or, or my own site, Brian Seach, we will definitely get back to you. And we do appreciate uh, anybody who does report sightings, uh, no matter what, you know, if you don't even know what, what you think you may saw, we may be able to help you. So, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, okay, one of my uh, one of my lifelong have to do things is to still visit the uh, the Gettysburg battlefield. So mm-hmm. I'll try to keep you posted if if and when I can make that trip. Yeah, we were on the uh, battlefield. We, we were up up there twice, but on the battlefield one time, and you can definitely feel feel an energy when you're walking on that field. It's a very solemn place. Uh, mm-hmm. You get a chance. Whoever whoever's listening, I know many of them probably already have been there, but I strongly suggest going there. Okay, Brand, thank you so much for your appearance today and taking time from your weekend. All the best to your wife and your colleagues 
in the Center for Unexplained Events. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I had a great time. I appreciate you having, having me on, and I'll be able to talk about my organization. So, again, thank you. Today's guest has been Brian Seach. His last name is spelled S-E-E-C-H. You'll find him also through his own name and through Center for Unexplained Events on Facebook. Next week, we've got our buddy Rosemary Ellen Guiley and Kevin Paul, co-authors of Haunted Hills and Hollows, What Lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania. Hey, Colleen, what's going on for the rest of the weekend for you? Well, uh, we do have the powwow going on today um, down by the Indian Center, so we'll probably be going to that later oh, on. Very good. Um, and then after that, I'm really not sure. Oh, I also invited one of my friends to my house, so we, so we might be spending. I might be spending um, time with her as well. And you know, it's like kind of like like we get together like once like once or twice a year, which is kind of sad. We really need to hang out a, a bit more. But yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you have an always a cool time, Jim. How about you? What's coming up for you? Uh, you said it, just staying cool, basically. <laughs> I got my yard work out of the way, so I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to play some guitar and drink some strong hot coffee. And you guys and gals don't go anyplace because in just about two minutes, the maestro himself, Victor, is coming up with Mesoterra. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. If it's your first show or you've been listening for the entire 33 years, we sure appreciate knowing that you're out there. Thank you for being a part of it. I'm Scott Colborn, and until next week, walk in beauty.